Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gomison with the Speaking Frame podcast. Very grateful to have you join us for another week of fun and encouragement. And I have to say, first of all, thank you so much for the response to last week's episode. Um, I think I had um, nine or ten listens within the first couple hours of release. And right now we're sitting at 21 listens for last week's episode, which may not seem like a lot, but for my podcast, it's pretty significant. And I hope that the episode made a difference in your life. And that if it did, that you will go ahead and share it with others. I really would like to see those numbers go up. And I also want to continue to foster discussion on my Facebook page and in other ways through this podcast. I, I may be exploring ways that I can do this podcast live in the future. Um, that's not something I've been brave enough to try in the past, but I may be persuaded, especially if I get feedback from you that says that that is something you would be interested in. I typically record on Thursday or Friday afternoon for the possible release of Saturday lately. I did Saturdays all through the month of November, and that seemed to work well. I do have a question for my audience, and it's one that I've posed here in the past, but haven't really gotten a lot of feedback on, and that is, when do you most often listen to podcasts? Are you a weekend podcast listener, uh, like me when I'm in a work week, or are you more of a weekday podcast listener? I've received some feedback that seems to indicate that if you post on the weekend, people have a chance to forget about your podcast, and so posting earlier in the week might be better. But I'm looking for your advice as the listener as we turn toward 2021, and I will hopefully make a semi-permanent decision about the day of release uh, for my podcast as we approach the new year. The beauty of podcasting is I can change the day whenever I want, but one of the things I try to be as a podcaster, is consistent. So it's just something that you should keep aware of, and I hope that you will give your feedback. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk about my 10 favorite Christmas movies of all time. And I would really like your input to see how close our lists are together. Now, a caveat that I will put on here as we begin is the idea that I wanted to choose movies that weren't just entertaining, but movies that I thought had really good lessons for the season in the midst of the entertainment. So that's the one caveat that I want you to be thinking about as we go through this list. And maybe you have some that I did not mention. I'm going to try to maybe have a couple honorable mentions in next week's show, because we're only going to cover... The first five of my favorite Christmas movies in this week and the next week we will cover the next five. But before we get to that, I want to take some time to share with you what is going on. All right, well, it seems like there's always a lot going on uh, in the news these days, and I just have a couple things that I want to share with you that are on my radar as we are soldiering through this difficult time. Uh, the first of which is that I'm hoping to uh, return to school on Wednesday, November 9th. So 
just over a or just under a week away as I am recording this. Um, but a lot of that comes down to what the governor ultimately decides about schools being open. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, and as of this recording, she is supposed to have a press conference today to let us know what her next um, her next round of guidelines are and how things are going as we battle this coronavirus pandemic. As I've said throughout this process, it's a, it's a difficult thing to know exactly how to deal with because on one hand it is real and we should have a real response to it, but on the other hand, we can't use this virus uh, as a reason to stop living. We have to continue to have life, and are you really living life if you're just sitting in your house uh, waiting for things to happen around you? And so trying to balance being safe with also continuing to do things that are allowing our economy to move forward and allowing us to continue to grow as people is, is an important balance to find. I know for myself, the social aspect is so important, and I've said also on this podcast a few times that the mental and emotional health have to be evaluated along with physical health when dealing with these things. All right, well, I have a couple things, a couple, three things that I want to share with you um, as we move forward. The first thing that I wanted to talk to you about is the Vintage Christmas Online holiday theater experience from Master Arts Theater. Now, it's been a while since I've been able to talk about Master Arts on this podcast. I think pretty early on in the uh, coronavirus lockdowns, I had Tim Van Bruggen on as a co-host when we did our Mother's Day podcast, and he was able to tell us a little bit about what was going on with Master Arts and trying to keep the theater alive, despite the fact that uh, we can't do shows. And now it's been almost a full season um, since Master Arts has produced a show. Um, the last show that was a full stage production was staged from February to March of this year. And so we're really um, missing a lot of shows as we continue to go forward and not able to assembled to offer theater. So it's very exciting for me to let you know about this virtual online experience. You can get tickets at masterarts.com. A $5 ticket, ticket entitles you to streaming rights of the Vintage Christmas online holiday show for the duration of December 17th at 12 midnight to December 31st at 11.59 p.m. And so basically what you'll do is you'll go on the website, you will purchase a ticket, and that ticket will give you a link to the virtual performance, which you will then be able to enjoy over and over again with your family throughout the holiday season. In so many ways, Master Arts has been a beacon of hope and light for me, and I often say to people about Master Arts that when I go there, I feel like singing the cheers theme song, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. And it just really is true when I think about Master Arts. And so I'm so grateful for them. Uh, they were able to raise some 
good donations on Giving Tuesday, but if you haven't donated to them this year, might I encourage you to do so and to check out this vintage Christmas online holiday show, and hopefully it gives you a little picture of what Master Arts hopes to do as we come out of the pandemic. Okay, um, the next thing I want to talk to you about is um, Biden, Joseph Biden tweeted this week, uh, my message to everyone struggling now is this, help is on the way. And on Wednesday, South Dakota GOP Governor Kristi Noom fired back on Twitter with a video of Ronald Reagan who said the six worst words in the English language are I'm from the government, we're here to help. And I want to preface this first of all by saying that I hope for the sake of the country that uh, Biden does a great job because I want our country to succeed. But I'm not persuaded based on his policies that that will happen. I don't think that socialism is the direction to go in this country. I have struggled with socialism light my whole life for the last 23 years since I turned 18 and got on social security disability. But social security disability is only good if you're willing to do everything that they ask of you and more. I've had so many struggles with them not getting the paperwork they needed from me or deciding seemingly arbitrarily that I no longer qualify for a certain benefit and then giving me a hassle about it. For those that don't know, I'm just going to share a couple encapsulations of that. One being that from July of 2019 to August of 2020, I did not have disability benefits because I was told in July of 2019 that I was overqualified for these benefits for the duration of not less then 16 months, I think, January to July, 18 months. Whatever that exact month count is, I've never been good at math on the fly. But from January of 2018 to July of 2019, they said I was ineligible. And so they not only took away my benefits, they then proceeded to try to get me to pay them all the back payments for those benefits in the amount of $800 a month to reimburse them for these benefits. Now, keep in mind that throughout all this time, I was giving them all the reports they wanted. I was sharing all about my income and I was doing everything that they asked me to do. And they still had this expectation. Then they cut my income in a third and expect that I will be able to reimburse them all this money. Now, thankfully, I was able to appeal, and they forgave that. And as of August of this year, I was placed back on disability, which I previously struggled with whether to allow myself to be put back on. But with the reality of being off work during this time of yet another COVID lockdown, I am somewhat thankful for it, but it's a broken system because it is not a system that encourages people to excel. Another component of that is 
a component of the Freedom to Work program whereby I pay a monthly premium to be allowed to work, essentially, and get my benefits while I work. So the way the benefits work is on the 5th of the month, I have a premium due. Last month, the month of November, was the first month that I had a premium due, and I paid it. I wrote the check by October 29th. It cleared my account on November 2nd. I received a bill dated November 5th that said I owed for November and December. Because even though it cleared on time for the deadline, they sent out the bill before it cleared, and so they included the previous payment as if I had not paid. Now, I'm just being honest about the way the government works and the way they run their programs. And just as a way of saying to be cautious about wanting the government to solve our problems and to implement the solutions that we think they should. I think the best function of government is to get out of the way of the American people and free up regulations to allow the American people to function by themselves. And so I think that some of these policies that Biden is talking about bringing in is much more along those lines. He wants you to believe that the government can solve your problems. When in reality, the best thing that the government can do is to get out of the way and let you work through solving your own problems. Barack Obama once said that the best government programs are ones that help you get out of them. But so many of them don't. So many of them are feast or famine, all or nothing. And so we need to be careful of that as we move forward. That's just the facts, folks. I'm not trying to slander. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. Just sharing my honest experiences about dealing with government programs. And then the final thing I want to share um, before I get into the main topic of today is a post on Love What Matters. Now, I don't know at what point I discovered Love What Matters as a Facebook page, but I always like encouraging positive stories. So I, at one point, liked the page, and I see their updates. So today I ran across this post on Love What Matters, where the writer of the post, Mackenzie Ortz, writes the following. I'm seeing a lot of posts from my fellow mommies about their journey as teen moms. I love reading these stories and seeing these adorable photos of your little ones. I do, however, want to use this moment to touch base on a subject that I do not often speak of publicly. Although unintentionally, I was initially taken aback by these posts. It felt like a punch in the gut. Let me tell you why. I did not keep my baby. I was only 16. 
I was terrified. I was alone. I was hopeless. I was not ready to be a mother. And that is okay. And she's, she's right. That is okay. She goes on to talk about the baby that she gave up for adoption and the baby um, that she is now raising. And uh, she has two children. Bodhi was her first child and Salem was her second. And she says Bodhi was born five days before her 17th birthday and she gave him up because she was not able to take care of him. And I applauded everything about this post and I was so excited to be reading it until I read at the bottom the final paragraph says this, this is an important time to advocate for a woman's right to choose whether it be to parent, to adopt, or to terminate. I wish I could say two out of three aren't bad. But in this case, the, the third one is so bad, I can't say that. She points out in this post that both of her children are loved, and that's great. But it brings up the question, and that is, is loving someone a prerequisite to their humanity? I had this conversation with someone who's related to me, who basically implied that the reason that I was afforded the right to life, the reason I have the right to life, is because my parents love me. But the fact of the matter is, there are plenty of people whose parents don't love them, who were in orphanages, who had really rough childhoods, who are still making a difference in the world. Because God wanted them to be here. And when he formed them in their mother's womb. That's what gave them value. It didn't give them value because they were loved. Well, I guess if you look at it another way, it did. Because from the very conception of each of these babies and every other baby that you can think of, they were loved by God. So my encouragement to you especially if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, is to go back to the drawing board and say, hey, wait a second. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. It says that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And because of that, man became a living soul. And that is what gives humanity value. Everything else is a sliding scale. Everybody can come up with their own personal idea of what makes a human. But the determinant, unchanging standard of God is, I created you, therefore you are a human and you are worthy. 
right, well, we have arrived at our main segment of the show today. And as I said in the beginning, we will be talking today about numbers 10 through 6 of my top 10 Christmas movies of all time. Now, of course, I would encourage you to contact me at the end of the show with your choices for this. And I really want to hear what you have to say. And, and I think this could be a lively and fun discussion. Um, as we get into this, I just want to say a couple words about Christmas in general. It seems like every year um, I see Christians on both sides of the issue. Some do not celebrate Christmas and, and they have compelling reasons for not doing so. I don't want to take away from that at all. But I just want to share with you my perspective on Christmas. First of all, I think that any opportunity to celebrate Jesus and to talk to people about Jesus is a good one. And Christmas is a unique time of year when we are given the opportunity to do that on a scale that we normally would not. Christmas carols get sung even on secular radio that talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. And the birth of Jesus Christ was the way that the gospel was communicated straight to mankind. You know, the prophets told that Jesus would come. And then Galatians says to us that in the fullness of time, Christ did come, born of a woman, to redeem those who were under the law. That's pretty exciting stuff. And so to me, celebrating Christmas has always been important for that reason. You know, I find it interesting that all through the Old Testament, the Israelites were commanded to set aside holy days for a purpose. And then we get into the New Testament and we kind of say the opposite as New Testament believers a lot of times. We say, well, holidays aren't important. And if holiday has any shred of a pagan history, then we obliterate it and say that we shouldn't recognize it. But I really do think that's the wrong approach. Because you see, when I celebrate Christmas, I'm not celebrating the winter solstice. I'm not celebrating any pagan gods or goddesses. I'm celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That is what I celebrate. So as we embark upon this list, I just want you to know that that is why Christmas is so important to me. And if you disagree with me on this, I would love to hear your explanation for why you do. I have no problem having the conversation, but I'm just very comfortable and very excited every year to celebrate Christmas. The next thing I will say is that a number of these films 
reference Santa Claus. Now, I never believed Santa Claus was real. My parents always raised me with him being a fun part of Christmas in the background. Definitely not the main part of Christmas. They never led us to believe that Santa left us gifts. They kind of joked about Santa filling our stockings, but I think we all knew from the very earliest of ages that Santa was not real. And yet we could still have fun. And so as I unpack this list, I want you to realize again that that is, that is the, the premise from which I'm working as I go through this list with you. Is just having fun, enjoying the season, and just being glad that we can take time away and celebrate with our families. And it's almost more important in a year like this, in 2020, when nothing seems to go right, to know that we can come aside and just think about happy things for this holiday season, the happiest of which is Jesus coming to this world of sin and coming for the purpose of dying. Simeon said, this child is is destined for the rise and fall of Israel, that he would be the hope of many. But he also said to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also. And think about the fact that her soul was pierced that day at Calvary, watching her son die for the very sins of all mankind. Quite a thought, huh? So with that introduction, I wanted to share with you my 10 favorite Christmas movies of all time. Let's start out with our quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from one Mr. Charles Dickens. This is what Ebenezer Scrooge said after his encounter with the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. He said, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. And I think there are some significant things in A Christmas Carol, and one version of A Christmas Carol did make my list, which you will see later. Um, But there are some significant things about the um, Christmas Carol and some significant Christian themes in that story that can be obscured by versions of the movie. And Marley talks about not raising his eyes to the star which led the wise men to a poor abode. The Ghost of Christmas Present talks about the joy of children and how we should relish in it at Christmas knowing that the founder of Christmas was himself a child. 
referring to the Christ child. So I really like a lot of the truths that Charles Dickens sets forth in this book. And if you go back into our archives here at Speaking for Him, you can find our multi-voice recording of A Christmas Carol available free to download. And uh, so I hope that you will take advantage of that this Christmas season. But let's start out my list. My first choice, so coming in at number 10, is Elf. Hi. Your costume is pretty. Oh, it's not a costume. I'm an elf. Oh. Well, technically I'm a human, but I was raised by elves. New Line Cinema presents the story of one elf who's coming home for Christmas. Boy. Can't wait to see my dad. We're going to go ice skating and eat sugar plums. Sorry! Now... I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! We should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. Buddy's experiencing a world he never knew existed. Buddy's your son. What am I gonna do? He's certifiably insane. Discovering what it takes to fit in. And going where no elf has gone before. What he needs is to be nurtured. Bring him home. Introduce him to Emily and Michael. How long do you think you'll be with us? I was thinking, like, forever. <coughs> he cannot stay here. You can't just throw him out in the snow. He loves the snow. He's told me 15 times. Ow! Son of a nutcracker! We can take him. did you say you were from this holiday season i think you're beautiful and my tongue swells up when i am around you get ready i plan out our whole day i thought maybe we could make gingerbread houses and maybe even hold hands for a tall tale how are we gonna get the star on top of elfish proportions i got it will ferrell okay people santa's coming to santa oh my god i know him i know him Elf. Do you remember me? I do, I didn't recognize you. I know, I'm in work clothes. I didn't know you had elves here. You're, you're hilarious, my friend. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Hey, you're feeling strong, my friend. Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. Look at you. Now, I did not know what to expect when Elf first came out. I'm not a huge fan of Will Ferrell movies. Um, so I didn't know what was going to happen, whether I would like it. But it has quickly become one of my favorites. And one of the things I like about it is that it has kind of the sensibilities of the old Rankin-Bass uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It starts with those type of opening credits and kind of just gives out that vibe for the whole film. So you have um, John Favreau as the director, and he has a cameo as a doctor. And then you have Will Ferrell as a six-foot-three elf who was adopted um, by Santa 
when he snuck out of his orphanage into Santa's bag and raised by one of the older elves who never had a family of his own, who is played by Bob Newhart. So there's a lot of interesting names in this movie, and it's just a a fun romp. Again, it is it is fantasy. It's not grounded in the true meaning of Christmas, but at the same time, there are some things on the periphery that point to it, because secondarily, at least, Christmas is about family and togetherness, and this movie was really about Buddy discovering who he was and his family coming to accept him, even though he came to them through unconventional means. Number nine on my list of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is The Polar Express. What if there was a place beyond your imagination? And then, of course, was the 2004 Polar Express starring Tom Hanks in multiple roles. And I really liked this film for a variety of reasons. First of all, to give you a little bit of background, my family began kind of a tradition of the week of Christmas going to a movie. We began this with The Return of the King in 2003. And so... The Polar Express came up the next year in 2004, and we got the opportunity to watch it in 3D and IMAX. And I was just mesmerized by it, even as a person who was in my mid-20s. I thought it was very well done. I enjoyed the 3D, 
it actually ruined 3D movies for me because uh, no other 3D movie that I've seen since then have, has come even close to being worth it. This one was because it was all about a an adventure on a train going to the North Pole. So you actually felt in a lot of ways like you were moving with the train. And then as far as the message of the film, I think it's a pretty interesting one uh, because there's some real parallels between his belief about Santa Claus and our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, Santa Claus is a fictional construct, but the idea being that the premise was that if we, if you believe in Santa, he will be there for you. And if you get too old and, and get too sure of yourself, then you stop believing in Santa. And I think there is some parallels and lessons for us to learn um, as we, as we look at our Christian life and just realize that God is there. Whether we believe him or not, he is there. And so sometimes, if you're anything like me, you have to say to God, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And it was just interesting how um, that was portrayed in the movie and how he, how each child in the movie also this is another good point. Each child in the movie had a lesson specific to them to 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 learn. One of one of the children was a know-it-all, so his his lesson was to learn to learn that he didn't need to know it all at once, that he could just be along for the ride and learning. One was believe. And I don't remember all of them, but those two stick out. So Polar Express, for that reason, has always been a special movie to me, and I would encourage you to check it out this holiday season. And having Tom Hanks in five or six roles is not a bad thing either. He's a really excellent actor. Next, for number eight on our list, we have... All I want for Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's very pretty, Christmas. Hallie. Do you want to know the rest of it? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It begins with a little girl. I bet you want to be a ballerina when you grow up, huh? What if I'm fat? What if my head's too big? Wait till I'm in third grade. Then I'll pick a career. A little dream. Can I use the lap? Sure. No, we really gotta talk. You can't have Santa Claus for that. And a little magic. <laughs> to remind us... Oh, you're back. I'm back. It's a Santa Claus, not dear Abby. That Christmas is something to believe in. I had to see him. This is special. Not all mom and dad should get back together, but I should. What is it? What's wrong with her? Uh... She was feeling fine, and all of a sudden... Is mommy coming? Wow, you look gorgeous. Paramount Pictures proudly presents a movie about a family, about a wish, and about the miracles that are inside of every heart. 
This selection made my list because it really, to me, I said for a lot of years that it was the best modern Christmas movie of all time. And because it, it was so simply done and very Christmas oriented, the, the plot goes that these two children want to get their parents back together. The older one for his little sister, because she wished that Santa would get them back together and he doesn't want her to be disappointed, but he also wants it for himself because he knows that having his parents together is, is ultimately something that he greatly desires. And so it's very reminiscent of the parent trap, but it was also very unique in that it was G rated and, when I was growing up, the G rating was still something that they made a lot of films under. Most kids movies today are PG. And I think that's so that they can put some stuff in there that caters to adults. But it's interesting that this was a G rated film that was live action. Most G rated films, even in my day were animated. So it was significant that they made a G rated film were families that was live action and then it was really well done. Now it's interesting to note that I recently read a review of this movie that Roger Ebert put out when it came out talking about how bad it was and how corny it was. But I submit that when you are looking for a Christmas movie to watch, you're not um, looking for something that is, extremely broadly intellectual. Um, you just want a feel-good movie that teaches good lessons. And I think this lesson, um, the lessons that this one teaches are at least twofold. Number one is that family is worth fighting for. I don't think there's enough of that lesson going forth today because we often try to take the easy way out and um, so I, I like the fact that family's worth fighting for. And the other thing is sometimes you have to slow down in order to consider someone else's point of view. So often we think that we're right, and so we soldier forward and just do it our way at whatever cost, uh, whatever it costs, we just want to do it our way and we, we want to think that we're right. And sometimes it's more important to be happy than right, especially if it's something non-essential. So I really would recommend this movie, All I Want for Christmas. It's one that I enjoy watching every year if possible. And like I said, I just really enjoy the funny, zany things that happen, and I would encourage you to check it out. This next movie... Um, that I want to talk about was a TV movie that came out in 1988. Um, and it starred Richard Thomas and Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson played Francis P. Church, a newspaper editor um, who was given an assignment by his, uh, or a newspaper writer who was given an assignment by his editor 
um, Ed Asner to answer Virginia O'Hanlon's editorial, Is There a Santa Claus? And because it's so good, and I didn't want to cut the clip, I'm going to play you the whole clip of Richard Thomas reading this editorial. And I think there's a lot in it for us to learn. And I will give further reflections of the film after you listen to it. So this is number seven. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Is there a Santa Claus? We take pleasure in answering at once, and thus prominently, the communication below, expressing at the same time our great gratification that its faithful author is numbered among the friends of the sun. Dear editor, I am eight years old. Some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? And it's signed... Virginia O'Hanlon. Well, Papa, what does it say? Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except what they see. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia whether they be men's or children's, are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant in his intellect, as compared with the boundless world about him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist, and you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The external light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus. You might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papas or hire men to watch in all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus. But even if they do not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor man can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But that's not proof that they're not there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all the wonders there are unseen and unseeable in the world. You tear apart a baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside. But there is a veil covering the unseen world which not the strongest men, nor even the united strength of all the strongest men that ever lived could tear apart. Only faith, fancy, Poetry, love, romance can push aside that curtain and view the supernal beauty and glory beyond. Is it all real? Ah, Virginia. In all this world, there is nothing else as real and abiding 
No Santa Claus? Thank God he lives and he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia. Nay, ten times ten thousand years from now. He will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. And again, we come back to the theme of faith and belief and also the theme of family togetherness. The storyline, which is very fictionalized, is the story of Virginia O'Hanlon and her family. Her father is struggling to find work as an Irish immigrant, and he is just trying to put food on his family's table. And toward the end of the film, he does get a job as a police officer uh, that is much appreciated by his family. And then Santa Claus, who I'm assuming, if you watch the film, is Frank Church, brings Virginia some shoes. And again, uh, I'm not using this movie as a way to convince people uh, that Santa is real, but I think it is interesting that one thing that Francis says toward the end of the editorial is he talks about the veil that is on the unseen world. And do we not see that in today's day and age? There is a veil over the eyes of the ungodly. The Bible says the cross is foolishness to them that perish, um, but to those who believe it is the power of God. And so um, there is a veil over the eyes of the unbeliever, but we um, have seen the Lord, and we as believers are benefited by it. And there's even to a degree a veil for us too, because Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 13, now we see through a veil darkly, but then face to face. And I just, I really appreciated this film growing up. I've always appreciated Richard Thomas and the sensibilities that he puts into his roles. And he's always been a gifted narrator, something that I think even the producers and creators of the Waltons knew because they always had him reading his writings on that show. And I don't know how long it will be up, but as of this recording, the full movie, Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus, is up on YouTube. So you can go over to YouTube and uh, enjoy that with your family. And I will try to include the link for that in the podcast, in the blog post for this podcast. So I hope you've enjoyed this journey through my favorite Christmas movies and that uh, it will give you some solid things to watch with your family and discuss the lessons in them. And my final selection for today is the aforementioned Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. On Sunday, December 4th, Burl Ives again tells the exciting new story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the General Electric Fantasy Hour. The date, Sunday, December 4th. Join Rudolph in a trip to the island of misfit toys. Meet Yukon Cornelius, the funniest prospector of the North. Gad, Zeus, the humble snow monster of the North strikes again. Whoa. Meet
meet Santa's elves and hear seven original Christmas songs. Pearl sings... Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. It's a holly jolly Christmas special for the entire family. Don't miss Rudolph, Sunday, December 4th, in color on most of these stations. And that's another one, Rudolph, that is just a perennial favorite for me. And I still remember back in the day when you had to watch something when it was on. And so every year when Rudolph was scheduled to be on, I wanted to watch it. I remember from my very young days where I had to get special permission to stay up and watch it. And I watched it this past week because it was coming on right after I got done watching Jeopardy, and it was fun to relive my childhood in this way. Now, this is an interesting film from the sense that there's been some political correctness attacks to it that people have said that Rudolph is not a good film because it highlights bigotry and and it, it glorifies um, shaming people for their differences. The funny thing to me is when I watch it, I see the exact opposite uh, reason. I see a realization over time that someone's differences, which they thought made them different in a bad way, which they thought were in, made them inferior, actually made them useful. And I think it's a needed message in today's culture. And so I wholeheartedly recommend Rudolph as a great way to begin these discussions with your children. So I, I hope you've enjoyed this, this trip down memory lane for me, as I have discussed my favorite Christmas movies. We will continue this list next week with our top five. And again, I may include some honorable mentions as well, because it's hard to just come up with 10 movies. Um, but there are, other movies that I like as well that didn't fit my earlier caveat of I feel having a strong lesson as well as being entertaining. So what is your thoughts? Do you agree with my list? Do you think that there are some that I missed? If you want to share that, you may let us know with the contact information that's going to roll in a few minutes at the end of the show. And even better, if you can send me a voicemail that I can play on the show, that would be totally awesome, and I would be grateful to be able to use it with your permission and include it as I list my honorable mentions on our trip to number one, the number one Christmas movie of all time, according to Andrew. So I'm excited to share that with you. I hope that your holiday season is off to a great start. Um, despite all the unconventional and challenging things that are going on around us. And I covet your prayers as I contemplate going back to school next week, still waiting to hear if that's going to be a feasible reality. But that's my plan, and I know that God has a good and perfect will that he wants to work out for me in that regard, as in so many others. Finally, before I say goodbye, I just wanted to let you know that we are on the verge of being done with the Pilgrim's Progress multi-voice project. Um, I think there have been 
seven episodes that have completed the post-production process. The sound effects still need to be added to several of them, but hopefully uh, by the first of the year I will be able to share that wonderful project with you guys. And so you can get a sample of what um, you know online theater is like with the vintage Christmas show that I talked about later with Master Arts. And then you can be prepared for a much longer version of that with the Speaking for Him Reader's Theater uh, presentation of Pilgrim's Progress, which is actually our second presentation because A Christmas Carol is in our archives, and you can take advantage of that as well. Well, that is all I have to share with you today. I hope that you have a wonderful week, and as always, I hope that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.